In this episode, I talk with legendary pickleball instructor, Coach Mo and Coach Maddie Klein. This show is a must-listen-to episode as it is jam-packed with information which will improve your game. Coach Mo and Maddie, who have taught together for years, talk about percentage pickleball and what that really means when you're on the court. Coach Maddie also discusses his serving strategy and how he thinks the optional drop serve will significantly change the game. So let's get to the intro to hear from Coach Mo and Coach Maddie. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, Coach Mo and Coach Maddie. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you both on the podcast. And this was very much a pleasure because I originally just plan to talk to Coach Maddie, but I know a lot of people know about Coach Mo and he's been a tremendous influence on the game and teaching people. So go ahead and Coach Mo, just tell the audience a little bit about your background. I think a lot of people will know you, but I also know through my website, I've got a lot of people just starting in pickleball and they may not know your name. So just give us a little background. Well, my name is Richard Mo of Session and that's where the Mo comes from, Mo Session. And I came, I was a teaching pro in tennis, then I came to the villages and uh, people started asking me, well, how do you, on technique, and how do you hit a, a backhand or a forehand and strategy? And so then I started a free clinic for like seven or eight years. Then I met my son, Maddie, and uh, <laughs> he's helped me a great deal because when I forget to say something, he remembers everything. So it's nice to have, nice to be young. And I gave uh, free clinics. And then after giving about eight years of free clinics, one of the ladies said, you know, you're giving me three hours worth of information. We're never going to remember all this. Why don't you make a DVD? So I made a DVD and I sold that all around the United States and Canada. Then it came out. Then I met Maddie and Maddie got in the second DVD and we started teaching around the United States. And then we've been going ever since. And then I wrote a couple of books, How to Play Pickleball from A to Z and simplified pickleball that just came out about maybe three weeks ago and i've been enjoying it immensely because i've been a coach all my life well great i i know you've done some incredible things and uh, just tell me a little bit about your new book before we talk some with um coach maddie well the newest book is like a cliff note of my first book with joe baker joe baker and i we did a book together i was teaching with maddie out in virginia and I got a phone call at my hotel, and it was from Joe Baker. And Joe Baker said to me, Coach, I heard you're in town. I'd like to have a lesson from you. And I said, sure, but there's no pickleball courts around here. And he said to me, he said, oh, no, I want a lesson in your hotel lobby. And I went, really? And he said, yes, I want to pick your brain for five hours. And so he came over. We talked pickleball for five hours. And then six months later, he calls me up, and he tells me that, gee, I should, I wrote a book. Could you critique it for me and tell me what I should take out of it and put into it and keep? And so I did. And we had a great time together. And then I decided about a year later, I was going to write a book. I've been thinking about it for years. So I decided to do it. And the USAPA asked me to to be in the running to run a book for them. And I got to the finals and this lady beat me out because she had published before. 
So then I said, well, I'm going to call Joe Baker up. Now it's his turn to help me with my book. So we did a book together and we're number one bestseller on Amazon.com right now. So that's where we're at at this point. Well, that's great to hear. I know you've given so much back to the pickleball community. And Coach Matty was one of your students from what you said and, and talking with him. He's he's mentioned that. Coach Matty, did you ever expect that you would be at this point, you know, doing so many clinics around the country and then on cruises just from, you know, originally learning from Coach Mo? I, I never thought that pickleball was going to get this big and the the gifts that Coach Mo gave me are immense. I mean, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have learned how to teach percentage pickleball, which is what we both both teach. And uh, now, not in my wildest dreams would I think that after retiring from LAPD, would I be a pickleball teacher and go around the world and on cruises and in different states now. Never thought, never thought it would happen. Now, that's quite a switch from being a LAPD officer to pickleball. How, how did that transition even happen? Well, I was a, I was also a, a tennis player for 42 years but, uh, and a tennis coach for high schools for 10 years as well. So having that step in, when you come from tennis, badminton, racquetball, ping pong, the game is so much easier. But I retired from LAPD back in 2000. And just when I retired, all I did was bring up my kids and play tennis, platform tennis uh, for years. And then I finally started pickleball and just hung up both paddles and the racket and just started pickleball. And the reason I came out to the village of Florida was to teach platform tennis. But when I came out here, I found out that I wanted to live here because it's such a great place. And when I finally came out to live here, I had seen this guy on a computer teaching something called dinking. And I go, oh my gosh, I'm a tennis player. I bang the ball. There's no way I'll ever slow that ball down to the toes because I'm, I'm going to hit as hard as I can. And I'm going to, I'm going to make a fool out of this guy. He was giving clinics for free every week. So my first week here, I go, Oh, that's the coach. Mo I saw on the computer. I'm going to go show him. Uh, he showed me, he picked me out of 40 people and he ran me around until I felt his age. And then he asked me back twice a week for the last six years <laughs> to help teach. So that's how it all started. And everybody mistake. They mistake me for Maddie all the time. Oh, all the time. Yeah. yeah. We look alike. Yeah. Because we look a lot alike. <laughs> if I forget something, he knows how to slide it right in there and because he's a student of the game. He caught on really quick. And in coaching, there's no substitute for talent in the coaching profession, whether you're a player or a coach. I agree. Absolutely. And I think both of you have mentioned at this point percentage pickleball. Can you talk a little bit about what that means and how you teach that? Well, percentage pickleball is strictly only hit the ball as fast as you can be accurate and consistent. Unforced errors decides who wins or loses at every level, even at the national level, but the, the best players in the United States. It's the team that makes the least mistakes. So if you learn good technique and two people with equal athletic ability, if one has great technique and the other one doesn't, technique's going to win out. And basically, tennis is pickleball and pickleball is tennis, except for the transition of the line, no volleys on line, where you have to slow the game down and think it. I could never play tennis and play against people 50 years younger than me, but you can do that in pickleball if, as long as you place the ball and you're consistent and you play smart and keep the ball at the toes so the person can't really tattoo you with the with their shots. Right. And I'd like to give examples of, of percentage pickleball. 
if you keep the ball down the middle of the court, it's 34 inches instead of 36 like it is on the side. So you get these tennis players that come into this game and they try to beat the people on the sides. And I'm not saying not to do it. I'm saying if you have it and you can do it, that's great. We would never try to change your game. We try to add to your game. But every shot possible in this game should be at the toes, preferably the left person's left foot if they don't have as good a backhand as they do a forehand. If somebody has a weakness, you hit to the weakest player's weakest shot if you want to win. In social, hit to both people. But when I have somebody that has a great forehand, I make them beg for a forehand the rest of the game. That's exactly it. And I made Maddie's backhand. You sure did. Because that's, that's all he ever saw from me was his backhand. Yes. So now his backhand, I think, is as good as his forehand, if not better. I'm a more balanced human being because of Coach Mel. Thank you. <laughs> and I teach I teach Maddie how to handle his wife, too, because I've had a lot of experience. Yeah. I've been married to a wonderful woman for 54 years, and I have a lot of experience. So I help him out all the time. I don't even charge him for the services. No, he's added it up, though. He says it's $400 an hour. <laughs> Oh, you guys are crazy over there. Well, okay. I'm, I'm a statistician by training also. And, you know, when I think about percentage pickleball, when you're, when you're teaching people, especially like at the lower levels, it may be difficult to talk about, you know, percentages, but as people move up, you know, 4.550 level, when you think about percentages, I mean, what, what is a good rate of unforced errors well if you don't if you can't make a shot 80 percent of the time you don't have it you have to make a book on yourself as well as your opponent more important yourself so that you know what you can do and what you can't do and practice what you can't do until you can do it so if you only hit the ball as fast as you can be accurate and consistent and hit the ball as deep as you can be accurate and consistent but keep trying to keep it deeper each time without sacrificing placement for power and consistency, you'll be fine. And as you keep going up the ladder, you have to practice. The, the first, it has to practice like 80% to 20%. You play 20% of the time, you practice 80% of the time. Even uh, Roger Federer practices every single day. And he was the best player in the world, if not the best player in the world right now. And, and Lynn, in, in addition to the answer that Coach Mo gave, I, I would say personally, my wife and I try to keep our unforced errors down to two or three per game. Usually we win our games if we each have only two to three unforced errors. So percentages, the team that, of course, has more unforced errors is usually going to lose the game. So really, this game is about keeping it in play and having somebody make a mistake, not trying to win them. Well, that's incredible. Uh, you know, two things that I heard that was really incredible that I think is going to get people's attention is that you play a game and you make, you know, at, at most two to three enforced errors a game. And then also the other thing I thought was so interesting, which I truly believe because I'm somebody who likes to practice is that, you know, who is practicing 80% of the time and only playing 20% of the time. Do you, do you find many players doing that? Mm-hmm. Only the best ones. <laughs> One or two percent, uh, I would believe, if you're lucky. When I was seventy and I played the Nationals, I practiced with Phil Bagley like every day for an hour or two in the afternoon. We played in the morning, but we practiced in the afternoon and broke the game down into segments and became like robots in a sense. So you become mentally tougher the more you practice because you're, you're confident. And when you're confident, you can make a shot. When it gets to be 10-9, you're going to be a much better player because you feel confident that you can outlast your opponent. And, and you've got to size up your opponent to see if they're steadier than you are. If you feel that your opponents 
are not as steady as you are, you don't have to beat them. Let them beat themselves. Give them a chance to lose. Mm-hmm. Don't try and win the point every time you touch the ball. Work the point, and you'll be fine. Absolutely. And strategy, Lynn, is a huge part of this game. If you have four equal players on the court, what's going to win is, like Coach Mo says, great mechanics. Everything's you know sound. But the strategy is going to start taking effect. You know, you have to know who to hit to out of the two people. Who's the weakest player's weakest shot? You're going to have to start angling. This is, and I'm talking at the higher level, of course, because we don't teach people to hit angles. You know, when they just come in the game, we teach them to place the ball to the feet, and eventually they start being able to place that ball where they want to just from that 80-20 practice. But not many people practice at all. They'll just go out and. And that's fine. Social pickleball for some people is all they care about. They're losing weight and they're happy. It's the most social sport in history. I'm so proud to be in it as well as Coach Mo. What a lot of people don't understand is, coaches especially, 80% of this game are 3-5 or below. People are three, rated 3-5 or below 80% of the people playing the game. So only 1% are 5-0s, legitimate 5-0s. Mm-hmm. And 5% of 4, 5, 5, because I did a survey with the villages when they rated everybody, 1,500 people in the villages. And the villages, their rating would be a little higher than most places around the United States because they have more people to play against and 200 and something courts to work with. So if that's the case, then you've got to coach to the level of the people that you're coaching so that they will get the most out of what you're teaching them. You can't overcoach them. Mm-hmm. Try and get them to, to work, be the best they can possibly be their ability level right and you don't rate yourself against people unless you check the age and how much experience they've had playing the game if they're only played for two months and you're 70 years old you got to look for somebody who's been playing two months at 70 years old to get a legitimate comparison to see if how well you're doing and you'll be fine don't compare yourself with a 20-year-old. It's a different game, right, Manny? 20-year-olds oh, totally playing this game, coming from tennis, national tennis champions, 20-year-olds coming into pickleball. All right, it's a different game. So I wouldn't even call it pickleball. I call it youth ball <laughs> because they can pretty much do anything they want because they're so quick and their reflexes are so much better. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like you you do both a lot of teaching of people who are more in that 16 older age group, what are some of the things that you teach them that would be different from people who are younger? Well, the biggest, for every level, biggest thing to teach would be the split step. You got to have good footwork. Every single time your opponent touches the ball, no matter where you are in the court, you have to split step. You can't be moving at the point of contact. All right. And then you want to aim your paddle before you hit the ball. And I'm sure everybody's saying to themselves, I aim it. Well, well, they don't. Most people don't. They kind of swoop at the ball. They don't really stop, set the paddle motionlessly, and then punch their volleys and stroke their ground strokes. So it's important that they aim the paddle motionlessly before they hit it. As long as they know where the contact point's going to be. The miniature brain says forehand and the height, the contact point's going to be. You set your paddle. Just like golf, you wouldn't walk up to the ball and swing at it. You'd set the head of your club near the ball and aim toward your the pin. So, I tried it. Yeah, that's right. Matty's taking up, uh, I took up tennis. Golf. He's, he's, golf. he's anticipating getting old. Yeah, I Lynn, I wanted to add something as far as your your statement there. Yes, we teach basically a lot of 50 and over here because, you know, the average age here is probably 62, but they do let younger people in. But the big difference I see between the younger players and the older players is 
the other players can't get up to that line, one inch from the line, which is really where this game is played. At, at, the, at, the, at our age, it's better to slow the ball down by time to get to the line. So we teach a slow, high, deep return. So one partner's already up. The next part, that partner that just hit that kind of lob return gets up to the line, has plenty of time, paddle ready to hit that next shot. And on average, at the lower level, 2-5, it's an 80-20 percentage. 80% chance of winning the point if Mo and I are up at that line and the two people stay back. So we teach everybody to slow it down through the transition area, no man's land, no woman's land, whatever you want to call it, to buy time to get the line. So the third shot is hugely important. We teach the slower third shot because a lot of people are injured here. They have shoulder problems, back problems, you know, neck, knees. You know, we're dealing with the older generation here. So this game can last all the way into their 90s. And my wife wants to add something here. And the ready position, keep that paddle up. Otherwise, like Mo, he's a really nice person off the court, but he's really <laughs> mean on the court. He'll hit you. Well, at least the pickleball doesn't hurt quite as much as a racquetball, which was my sport prior to learning pickleball. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. One other thing, too, is, you know, you guys have both been in the game for quite a while, at least a little bit longer than I have by a lot. What changes have you seen in the game over time? You know, even... It's a transition. Yeah, They used ahead. to call the serving boxes, they used to call them no man's land, and we call them no person's no land. No person's land. Equal <laughs> opportunity. Everybody. And now, with all these young players coming into the national champs and, and tennis, coming into pickleball, or just tennis players coming into pickleball that are young, they're able to rip the ball on their return to serve and on their third hit which is a no-no to an older person, but for young people who can do that and never miss on the return of serve, you should never, you have an advantage on the return of serve. So if you lose, if you miss your return of serve, you've given a point away. But these people, they can rip the ball about six inches over the net, never miss. And then if, the, if they're playing somebody that's a great volleyer, they'll win maybe 15% of the time, 10% of the time by ripping the ball, but they're able to come halfway to the net, split step, and then slow the, slow the game down, drop it in the kitchen and come all the way up without ever losing their return to serve or their third hit. So that's important. Now, the average person, if they did that, they would lose a lot of points. Okay. And they, you'd have to practice that three hours a day. So people tend to watch the internet and think, well, I'm going to emulate these young kids playing the sport. That's the worst thing they can do. They got to start thinking, playing smart and keeping the ball in place, slowing the game down, and win the point from the no-volley zone line. Don't try and win it from anywhere else. No, that's very true. I think there's, you know, everybody's doing clinics, and a lot of the pros are doing clinics, and I think their message to people in the clinics, if they're younger, it's going to be a good fit, but maybe not yeah. to, yeah, folks like me and, and you who are a little bit older. When I talk to people, like, young coaches they'll say something and like i talked to a coach once and he came to the villages and he said after you make a third hit you run into the court okay and then if they if they if, if you serve you run into the court if their return is deep then you just roll back get it drop it in the kitchen get up to the line and i said i don't think so at you know 60 70 80 I said, I think I've been 20. You haven't been 60, 70, or 80. So I think you should think that one over. And he was saying the same thing on the 
return to serve, wait for the return to serve five feet inside the baseline. And then if it's a deep ball, just sprint back outside the baseline, drop it in the kitchen and go up. And it, it worked. He wasn't saying that that didn't work for him, mm-hmm. but it wasn't exactly an ideal thing for right. an older person. Right. And Lynn, average person. Lynn, my wife and I have taught quite a few lessons where we get people that have taken, you know, lessons from some pros and I'm not knocking the pros. I'm just saying that we don't teach swinging volleys to a person that just comes into pickleball and has never had a racket sport in their life because you cannot place a swinging volley. So there's a lot of stuff at the high level that we agree should be taught to the high level, all your, you know, different shots, your misdirects, all that stuff. But to take a player that's under a three Oh, and start teaching them that high-level stuff. It goes right from one ear to the other, and they're completely lost. So they call us up and say, could you start with the basics? And then Coach Mo and I and, and Mei Shin, we, we basically teach from beginner up until 4-0. And then we do get 4-0s and 4-5s, but by that time, a lot of people don't even want lessons, believe it or not. They think they've got the game. So, And they do have it for, for their ability, and if that's all they want to do, that's fine. But if they want to get really, really good, they've got to add shots that – are not seen to them, you know, under that level. Yeah. Let's kind of continue on with the coaching and the clinics. I know Maddie, you were saying that you had taught in quite a few States and you have kind of a, a goal around the clinics and teaching them throughout the U S. Yes. So far between Mason and I and coach Mo, we've hit 28 States and we have 22 States left. And that's our goal. We, we all want to go travel and hit the rest of the 22 States. So Mason and I just bought a truck and we want to get a fifth wheel and eventually hit the rest when, when COVID's over and coach Mo, he, he wants to come along and basically, you know, get this thing going. We've done it before. He's amazing. And he has quite a following as well. So we, we are ready to hit the road. Just uh, look up pickleballcouple.com and uh, you can let us know if anybody wants to come to to have us come to their state and teach. And if they take a clinic from us, they will get a book and a DVD as part of their fee. For yeah. The clinic. yeah, so it's like a free clinic. And you remember what, everything that was said. If you take a regular clinic, you're only going to remember 20% of what was said in two hours. So, But if you have a book that covers every single part of the clinic that's taught to you, you have it for the rest of your life. Right. And Mo, Mo made a big mistake, I think, when he had that the Pickleball A to Z, which is an unbelievable book. He picked me as the model, and I've got a beautiful <laughs> wife, and he could have picked her. So she was a photographer, and he got it backwards. So I know he needs me with him when he forgets. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. We're a team. <laughs> yes, we are. We're definitely a team. No, no doubt. I mean, you guys are quite a team when it comes to teaching and the comedy also. <laughs> Thank you. Well, good. And and no, seriously, though, I mean, that's a that's a great offering. I know that there's been quite a few people in really since COVID who started putting together, you know, video series and kind of memberships through websites to get information. But I, I think you guys have the best idea because you're going to combine the clinic and then the book and the DVD, you know, so you, you you'll have the whole package for people when they come to your clinics. Yes. And if they do come to the villages, get a hold of me as well, because Coach Mo and I have the ability, we have a private court that we can use, and we would like to set up four people clinics at a time, either four or eight. And they come here for a week, stay in the villages, get to know what it's like here, and then take clinics and private lessons from us as well. So not all about us traveling to somebody. A lot of people like to come to the villages to check it out because it is a, it's, it's like Disneyland for adults here. Well, I, I may be one of those people who come come to visit because I would uh, love to meet you guys in person. 
That'd be wonderful. Well, but you've got to sign a release saying okay. you'll never, ever use anything that we teach you against, against us. us. That's right. <laughs> no. and, and in the doctor's note part, right. you have to have a doctor's note saying addicted. that you're addicted to pickleball or we can't help you. So that, That's a lot of requirements. Maybe I need to think, that, think about that again. <laughs> Well, all right. One of the things that's been very prevalent, you know, if you look at any of the Facebook groups or pages or what have you, is people talking about a couple new rules. And yeah, but both of them around serving around the let serve and around Mm -hmm. having the option to do a drop serve. Tell me what you guys think about those rules. Well, they're forever changing rules on serving, which is kind of Serving is the least important part of the game, even at the highest level, unless you can really rip the ball and never miss your serve. Until this new serve. Until this new serve. Now, I think what's going to happen with the average person, they're going to drop the ball and then rip it, and they're going to make a lot more mistakes. Unless they practice three or you know, 15 minutes a day to, to develop it so they'll never miss it. Now, I don't know about the best players in the United States, that 1%. They're like six foot tall and they can put their hand way up in the air and let go of the ball. It'll come up to about their waist. And then they can hit it any way they want. There's no stipulation on how to hit the ball. And they'll be able to rip the ball. And if they can control it and place it and never miss, it'll be an advantage for the top one or five percent players in the in the game. And yeah. I, I go ahead. Are you done? Okay. I, I personally think it's going to change the game because right now. Who has the advantage in this game? It's the returning team. One person's up, the person in the back just has to slow high deep the ball to get up to the line, and they have the advantage about 80-20 at certain levels. The serving rule that is coming in, I know that from playing singles, I played singles in a tournament once, and I have eight different serves, and I only won. It was my first time only because I had a great serve, and I had eight different serves to use against the poor guy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean poor guy. Anyway, (laughs) but with this serve, if people get good enough and they can half court it when somebody's all the way back because they've been getting that serve that's been hitting near the line and top spinning, the serve is going to become a weapon in this game and it's totally going to change the game. So I don't want to make the determination whether this is good, bad or whatever. I think that it's going to be a change and I think it's going to change the game especially for the younger people, they're going to be very happy with this, but I believe that anybody over 50 is not going to be happy with this. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's going to be a plus for certain people who are willing to practice and a disadvantage for people who aren't going to practice it and start making unforced errors. And we'll get it when we're and, reincarnated. And we'll as old fine. as I am, 80, I'm 80 years old, I could stand back six feet behind the baseline and a wiffle ball slows down drastically. I don't care how hard you hit it. There are people serving tennis balls at 140 miles an hour and they get it back. Granted, they got a bigger racket and they're younger and all that stuff. But I think that the better players, they don't rip their serve now. Uh, They just keep it as deep as they can without ever missing it. They're not really interested in winning the point off their serve or off their return of serve. But if they can do it, they'll do it. So it all depends on the the person that's uh, how, what their ability level is is going to decide if it's going to be a plus or minus. And their health and their age, right. whether they can get exactly. to a ball or they have knee problems, back problems. That, again, it's it's going to change the game. And I'm hoping, honestly, that after a certain age, people will agree. If, like in our area, if they're a certain age and they're at a level under 4 that they all agree that we're not going to do the drop serve. So we're going to keep it the way it is. Because today I just tried it. I put the ball up as high as I could reach and let it go. It, it just about not even came up to my waist, maybe an inch from my waist. Because unless it's a brand new ball, maybe it would be waist high tops. 
that's basically the way they, the, the old way is, is you kind of keep the contact point has to be below the waist. So all it does is give an advantage of the person to be able to rip a ground stroke or a legitimate ground stroke rather than hitting up on the ball and keeping the paddle, you know, below the wrist. So that, that's going to be a factor, but it comes down to practice. If you can do it, you do it. If you can't do it, back off. Don't lose your points for nothing. Agreed. Well, I have to admit the drop serve is one that I'm looking forward to because having been a racquetball player, it, basically mm-hmm. I can do a racquetball serve now. So yeah, af- yeah. Yeah. yeah, very good for you. Absolutely. Well, Maddie, you talked about having eight different serves. Is that right? Yes, I do. I have serves that will curve into your body. If I have a, a what they call a banger, you know, a hard hard hitter on the other side, and they need my pace, I just do it uh, like Mo, Coach Mo taught me. It's a lob serve so that it bounces up high, and they need that pace to come off to to hit their great return, and they have a problem with it. If somebody has their paddle in what I call a bowling ball position, I use that too because it bounces up high enough to where they don't have the tennis stroke to hit it from the side. I have a fast serve, I have a slow serve, I have a top spin serve, an angle serve that I've been practicing that goes basically half half of the uh, box there. So if they're waiting back because I've been serving top spins and kicking back six feet, now they can't get back up to that ball at that angle. So if you practice your serve, you can make it become you can have it become a weapon. But remember it's a wiffle ball that's hard and it's a paddle that's hard. So it's not like tennis where you have the strings compress and, and the uh, ball compress. So it takes a lot of practice to get really good at serving. And now you're going to add, they're going to add this drop serve, which is, it's going to take a lot of practice for people to make this a positive thing for them. So does that mean eventually you're going to have 16 different types of serves since you get to add in the drop serve? <laughs> at, at least, at least. I think Coach Mo is going to come up with a bunch of as stuff and write a book on as, serving. As long as you've got a serve that goes in as deep as you can without ever missing, that's all you need to do to win it. Most every level, the 80% of the, of the matches. And you got up into the 4-0, 4-5, Then you got to analyze your opponent and see what they like or what they don't like and what they can do and what they can't do. So that's where it comes down to. Well, all right. Just to – I've got just a couple of questions to finish up here. Tell me a little bit about which pickleball paddle do you use and why? Well, <laughs> I, I have a Coach Mo paddle for Engage pickleball paddle, and I enjoy it. I like it. And uh, I think, you know, a paddle is, is important as long as it's got good control. Power doesn't get you anywhere. It's just like these new golf clubs, the ball just goes farther into the woods. So uh, pickleball is the same thing. Power is what you want. You want control. That's what you want. You want a, a paddle that you feel confident with. And I used to tell people when I was a teaching pro, they'd ask me which racket you sh- I should buy. And every month, every six months, they come out with a different racket. That was the greatest thing that ever happened. (laughs) And I would tell people, you first go out and you try the paddle. You get a demo and you try it. And if you like it, make sure you lose two games. And I joke with people and say, make sure you lose two games to somebody you hate. And if you still like that racket, that's the racket for you. (laughs) Because I've seen so many people when I played in tournaments that – they would lose with a brand two brand new three hundred dollar rackets and break them against the light post at the end of the match when they lost. They never lost with it when they had it as a demo. So that's what you got to think about. It's a mental thing. A pal is a mental thing. You got to be comfortable with it, and confident with it. But you can't get a cheapy. You got to get something that uh, you really 
think is a, a good thing. Mm-hmm. Try it. And in answer to your question for, for Coach Maddie, I would say I've been sponsored, my wife and I, by Selkirk for almost three years. And I've tried, you know, all the different paddles. And I absolutely love, love, love Selkirk. It's the best touch paddle because I have a touch game. And I like touch and I like power, a little bit of power, probably about 10% power. But I love to be able to place the ball. And that's the paddle for me. And uh, what I really love about my paddle, honestly, is Every time I make a mistake, I look at it and it says, it's all right, Maddie. You can do it. And then I feel really good about it. It's a joke. <laughs> I, I need one of those. <laughs> you know how many people look at their paddle after they make a bad shot? <laughs> That's why. <laughs> now, which uh, Selkirk paddle do you use? I use a new Vanguard. We were using the S2 amp for the first few years, and then they sent us some Vanguards and for me, it's about 20% better. It was already great. And then they sent this paddle. I'm like, unbelievable. I, the, the new paddle that just came out, the Mach 6, they sent that to us about three weeks ago. And that's what I'm using right now. It's a little longer handle, uh, longer head. And it, it's good for me because I'm 62 years old. And I'm not like my wife who does yoga every day and she can do a split while she's on the court. I, I have to actually bend my knees a little bit. And the extra handle length does help me a little bit. Well, great. And good to hear from you guys. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to reach out? They can either, I'll give you my number, 443-373-1988, or they can look up pickleballcouple.com, or they can look up Coach, what's your website? Website would be pickleballcoach.com. So either either of those. And uh, my home phone will be 352-430-2766. And they can get in either of those, you know, get a hold of us by any of those ways. And we can set up clinics. They can come here. We can set up lessons. We love to help people. Coach Mo and I actually will take calls on those phone numbers as well to help people for free. You know, just call us up and ask us about something. We, we've been doing that for years. That's what I had on my book. And the publisher thought it was crazy, but I, I don't mind I got on a book that I put my home phone number on there. And if anybody has any questions on Pickleball, if they bought the book, they'd see that and they'd call me up and I'd talk to them about it. So I enjoy talking Pickleball. That's keeping me alive. Well, that's that's great to hear. You guys are both so generous with your time. And actually, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thanks again. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 